Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, this is Kat Farrance, and I'm founder of Movement for Modern Life. And welcome to the fourth, I think we're fourth or maybe fifth, Champions of Change series. And today we welcome Mimi Kuadima. Mimi is one of the most beautiful souls in the yoga world that you could possibly imagine. She is a senior yoga teacher. She's somebody who has been teaching in London for years and is a teacher trainer. And she also incorporates Qigong moves into her vinyasa, which makes her classes really quite remarkable. I really honestly do recommend that you check them out. She is, well, I've been to her classes and I have been on her retreats. I am an absolute 100% fan of her work because it's incredibly meditative. It's soulful. She is incredibly bright. So Everything is very, very well thought out. And she also has a master's at SOAS in, um, I think, in yoga tradition. So she's an, she's, she's an incredibly thoughtful person and has written the first book, which is on Qigong. And her, her Qigong is just beautiful because, well, I suppose when I first went on her retreat, I was a bit sceptical. It's not as so-called fun as yoga um, with the big shapes and things like that, um, the endorphins. But my word, it makes a difference to how you feel and to your health. It's really quite an amazing thing. And combined with the yoga and meditation, I think it's just perfect. Anyway, today in our conversation, um, we talk about all sorts of things, but it's mostly about how to cultivate a sense of harmony in your life. It's really interesting talking to Mimi because her perspective on everything is a little bit different. So whereas everybody's been talking about self-care, she is more about how to create the harmony, how to create the balance in your life. When we start, we just get stuck straight in there. We're talking about the menopause because this is something which, well, I'm quite interested in, obviously, as a woman. I think that most of us should be interested in it because it's something that affects all of us, men and women, um, the women in our lives, for sure. And it's something which we really don't have that many tools on. So when we start, I just immediately get stuck straight in asking her about the second spring, which is how she is teaching us to reframe the menopause from her um, readings of Chinese wisdom. So we get stuck in on that. And also we will talk about her book, which is just out. And I'll give you more details about that. But basically, I'm so thrilled about this book. 
that I have set up a book club just so that I can really talk to Mimi once a week about it. But I'd love for you to join in as well. So all Movement from One Life subscribers can get to be part of the book club too. Anyway, with no further ado, please do enjoy me chatting to Mimi Kiwadima. I was just reading your words about second spring, Mimi. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a, a game changer. Oh. I'm sorry you put that in the world. It's going to have to come out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I just, you know, I, it was triggered by seeing this BBC article on, uh, you know, what's causing menopause and the hormonal yeah. changes behind it. And I thought, you know, it, it it's a balanced article, but it just gives kind of a bleak picture. Mm-hmm. And I've known about Second Spring for a while, but I just felt like I needed to say something about that and maybe just inspire other people who may have also seen the article to think Mm. differently and have a more positive framework to work with. Well, I think that people need, even they're just hungry for more, aren't they? But, you know, just reading through the comments, everyone's like, yeah, tell tell us more, maybe. (laughs) It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I knew more. I mean, you know, but it it ties in a lot with cultivation and, um, you know, the ideas of the book that I wrote. But there aren't quick fixes there you know people are mm. saying oh what qigong practices can i do yeah right to help with menopause and i was like well actually if we're working towards the second spring then a lot of things actually we can start preparing for before spring comes right and so even in right. the cyclical seasonal calendars we've got a winter we've got an autumn that feeds the winter the winter that nourishes the spring mm. and and so it's really about kind of you know, doing things a bit more thoughtfully and and taking a little more time to really look at the big picture of, you know, how are you living right now when you're 45, 35, and what choices can you start making so that when you're 55 or 50 and menopause or second spring starts, you, you don't kind of get sacked by it and derailed by it. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, it's actually saying that if you take the necessary steps to support your body through the change then you don't get hot flashes you don't Mm. feel feel anxiety and depression you don't dry out as quickly you you actually just feel like it's a it's an easy smooth transition um isn't that interesting yeah yeah that that the symptoms that we just think are very ordinary very normal um Mm. you know everybody gets this Mm, doesn't have to be so uh yeah and it's just as making an assumption that the transition can be gentle um, mm. and that we start from that place of just taking care of what we've got as we're aging instead of trying to kind of back up and look at the damage that's been done. Okay, so for <laughs> 10 years I've been running almost on reserve tank and mm-hmm. then suddenly my hormones are starting to change and I'm starting to sh- you know, feel my energy shift but nothing's done to prepare for that other than dry myself out and mm-hmm. kind of deplete my resources when actually I should be storing them for this new phase. You know, been, should be slowing down a little bit more and not trying to run a marathon, you know, at the age of 55 or 45 or whatever, but mm. actually just respecting that our bodies change and honoring that, you know, honoring what what phase of life we're in i think that's that's what it's all about really isn't it 
and 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 that's really that is really what your book's about isn't it it's how to live harmoniously with where you're at right now precisely it's it's about sustainable and positive cultivation and growth it's about you know how can we see our life as something that can align with whatever's unfolding rather than kind of backtrack and try to take care of problems all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well that's um that that makes sense because one thing that really did strike me is that in our culture we we have this real thing of go for the burn do this and then oh and then have an hour of self care at the end of the day like that's going <laughs> to like that's going to really help i mean obviously it's better than not doing that it's better than slumping in front of the tv and eating pop tarts which is the alternative but it seems so sad that our whole culture is about yeah. you know how much can we achieve within yes. a short amount of time yes and then uh, try to remedy the damage after it's been done yeah uh, that's it so so your book's about sort of reframing that <laughs> and that's no mean sense feat. I but I, I also want to recognize that self-care is really important because a lot of damage has been done and a lot of damage mm. is is taking place sometimes mm. beyond our control, you know, whether that's just handed down from our, our genes or it's caused by just our life circumstance. So self-care is really important. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I think with Shoyang, which means self-cultivation, we're beginning to reclaim our true potential. And we're looking at more of a natural way of being and living and breathing and, and loving and returning to a state that has that innate capacity to flourish. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's really about, you know, looking at the, the ways we treat our bodies, so physical, uh, the ways we work with our heart and minds, mental and emotional, um, the ways we relate to other people and live in the world, so ethical. Um, how can we cultivate what's best in ourselves and and also consider then what does that mean? Like what is the best in ourselves? Is it mm. to be richer and stronger and more beautiful and smarter and savvier? Mm. Maybe, but <laughs> I also... <laughs> Everyone's putting their hands up. Yes, please. <laughs> I want to be all those things. You know, quite possibly, and that's fine as well. But actually, long-term, you know, what brings us happiness what brings us true health what brings us a sense of respect you know we're if I've been thinking a lot about the environment as I think many people have been and one of the main problems that has led to where we are is the lack of sustainability and the desire to always kind of push for more and and also a fundamental approach that we've inherited for the last few hundred years that that human beings are there to conquer and master nature Mm. that we're looking to overtake it in some way. Um, whereas the traditional Chinese view of the Taoists has always been, how do we actually complement our life with nature and how do we live in harmony with it? How do we live in balance with it? How do we respect it? And if we can learn to respect nature and live in harmony with nature, then there's the potential for what we think of it maybe as you know, doing less, but I think it's actually the potential to feel completely happy and to feel ourselves, to feel that we belong rather than, you know, kind of ostracized, outcast, somehow in a, you know, relationship that's filled with friction with 
whatever it is that we do. But I, I just think it's kind of radical mm. when we think, oh, it sounds great. You know, live in harmony with the natural world, feel really good and, uh, mm. um, and balanced and in touch with nature. It sounds fantastic, but I, I do think it's radical because mm. we, we haven't had that general mindset in the West for a long time, if ever. Mm. It is. And I think especially now with burgeoning, I mean, obviously there's ecological disasters, but also mental health disasters going on everywhere. And just talking to any couple of people over a course of a weekend, you are bound to, one is bound to meet people who are having real troubles internally. And I think that this is something that we are all searching for happiness, but somehow we're searching for it on the roller coaster of life. Um, Yeah. And that's and we don't know where to look. Yeah, that's a sustainability question again, right? Mm. When you know, there's a Chinese saying: when the the body is aligned, then the heart and mind are aligned, and the mental anguish and anxiety and and kind of uh, difficulties that I think a lot of people are facing, it's all tied in with the sense of you know how are we orientating our physical and and um, spiritual health as well. Mm. physical for I think for a lot of people because disease and trauma they you know they manifest in the body and they affect how we are physically and mentally you know whether that be from just looking at cortisol and you know the the stress hormone levels in the body Mm. uh, or or looking at it from a more holistic point of view of just you know what we're putting into our bodies what we're uh, trying to achieve in a day like you were saying like always trying to get the most we can in in a day is that sustainable you know i'm thinking a lot about my yoga practice and qigong practice like mm. you know i read sort of story after story on social media about some teachers confessing that you know they're not 50 years old and they're getting a hip replacement mm. and i think wow so what does that reflect on the ways that yoga has been shared and taught and is there something that's perhaps a little bit again more more sustainable like that word to me just keeps coming out because i feel like it's so important on so many levels but you know just starting off by asking what is what is it within our own practice that we may not be doing that's you know that we can shift Mm. Uh, yeah and of course the interesting thing i think is that when we come to yoga maybe at first it, well when i came to yoga it was i came with exactly the same mindset as i came to everything in the rest of my life and it was with a view of accomplishment achievement how much can i do within a certain amount of time and i really yeah kind of forced my body into sort of achieving shapes and looking a certain way mm-hmm. and that was the way i came to everything in life so really the yoga practice was just an extension it's like a gymnastics class within life it was it was no different and I think maybe that's quite a normal thing and now people are very much on one hand they're more aware but on the other hand they say well you know it's kind of okay you know you don't need to be so strict on alignment and I kind of think well you really do actually because you know I I have need problems from my practice from years ago when I did all sorts of things that I wouldn't think was a good idea now and Mm. it wasn't sustainable and it's not a good idea 
and I know it, the trouble is it feels really really good to be able you get that endorphin rush don't you to accomplish and <laughs> Yeah, I think we spoke about this at one point, but just the, the goals of um, exercise are quite different in China than in the mm. West. And, you know, some of that might be sort of underlying the direction that we orientate practice. And mm. uh, I think people are now starting to see that moderate exercise is more beneficial, but for the most part, it's about stronger, faster, leaner, thinner, mm. you know, more and in part because I think we inherited this idea from the Greek uh, Olympic tradition that athletics meant trying to be on par with the Greek god <laughs> like you're basically <laughs> trying to make the body superhuman so you get these marathons you get these incredible feats of you know physical accomplishment um, in the Olympics but also just that that trickles down to the way that we look at athletics you know, we're trying to achieve consciously or unconsciously a superhuman state. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in China, there's never been that mindset. There's always been this idea uh, rather that you do moderate exercise for maximum health. That it was a Hua Tuo, who was the father of Chinese medicine. He was around in the second century AD. But he said mm -hmm. something like, you should never, the body should be exercised, but never to an extreme. Mm. Um, that's, and, that, that's sensible isn't it it's got to be right well <laughs> so movement was designed to keep the body healthy um mm. to keep the joints supple to regulate and balance the energy flow or chi to mm. pull disease out of the joints and the, the areas of the body that it's accumulating and set it free you know it was it was looked at as exercise it was looked at as a, a form of maintaining health rather than achieving some sort of superhuman uh, status or goal mm. so you, you just had a very different approach fundamentally to you know why we exercise mm. um, why, why we do athletics um, and then you know there's also just kind of a, another fundamental difference which is just that there's this separation I think in the west of mind and body mm -hmm. and so you can mind over matter right you kind of use your mind to overcome the body but in china uh, in qigong and a lot of martial arts um, there's something called yun dong and yun means a movement of the heart and mind and mm -hmm. dong dong means to move the body and so exercise was seen as the two of these coming together the mind and the body that they're in communication mm -hmm. with each other but I think when we exercise today, you know, people get onto a treadmill and they, mm -hmm. read the, they read the newspaper or they watch <laughs> the news. They listen to a podcast as their body's running. Their mind is somewhere else. So mm. the two are not joined together. Mm, interesting. Mm. And of course, that's what yoga and qigong do, which is why they are such enriching practices in my experience, because it's the only time when you really do get that feeling that your mind and body are in the same place at the same time. <laughs> exactly. It's such a relief when that happens. It's a relief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. And and somehow it feels like, you know, when you practice for a sh even a short while, just 10 minutes or something, like, oh, everything seems so much more aligned. And then it, I think that the practice would be then of trying to incorporate that feeling into 
being into everyday life. Am, am I right? Is that is that what what it's all about? <laughs> Ideally, <laughs> What's it all about. What is it all about? I don't know. I wish I knew the answers to that. But uh, you know, I think it would be nice. You know, the feeling that one has after shavasana. Mm. If we could make that a norm, mm. <laughs> right? To have mm. that sense of of ease and mm-hmm. uh, some spaciousness and mm-hmm. just a feeling of of more clarity and, mm-hmm. and softness. Um, I think mm-hmm. you know that wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be bad. <laughs> it wouldn't be bad. So, 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 so your book, your your newest book, which is about to come out um, mm-hmm. just next month. Is all about this, right? It's about how we are going to um, live this on a daily, day-to-day basis. And yeah. again, the book is in Chinese symbols. And it, do you pronounce it Xiao Yan? Am I right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Xiao Yan. Yep. Okay. It's it's quite practical, isn't it? It's a sort of because the way that we've been talking about it, it seems a little bit esoteric, but but it's not at all, is it? And that's the thing. Yeah, it's. Beautifully simplistic and mysterious at the same time. The practical side of it is that a lot of the the ways that we cultivate ourselves and mm. cultivate and grow what we want to be best in our lives are just immediate. You know, they're about how we eat and uh, not necessarily even what we eat, but where and how and when we eat. The times of day that we might choose to do certain activities. Um, it's, so, uh, so tell me, tell me, what are the answers? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do? So, you know, it's all about aligning with the, the circadian rhythms and the natural rhythms of a day or a season or your life cycle. Okay. Uh, that's where it begins. And so, for example, you know, it, it, your stomach is, you know, they've done sort of tests to show mm. this, but Chinese medicine has just known this forever, that your stomach is most active between 7 and, eight, and 9 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you, eat a very good breakfast between those hours. Uh, not only do you set yourself up for the day in terms of food and like, kind of complement your stomach, but you also start to give your body uh, chi or life energy mm. that all the other organ systems in your body need to function to their best potential. Right, so, that's, so we, get, we give ourselves a really good kickstart to the day. Good, so, good kickstart. Yeah. But then, you know, what that does is it helps not only your metabolism, but your immune system, your digestion, your your hormone production. Everything is almost dependent on starting off with a good meal. Oh, that's interesting that it yeah. impacts so many different things. Because, of course, when you think about the hormone production, well, that is everything. That's right. your mood, the functions of your body. That's that that because you know, I'm just sort of learning. I'm on this learning curve in mm-hmm. life, and I'm just finding out how important they are. Because you don't, we don't spend much time thinking about the importance of hormones. I've just worked out how how, how mm. they really do govern everything that we do. So much, right? And um, mm-hmm. and so speaking of hormones, like the main hormone producer is your liver, or you know, in terms of your organs, right? And your liver's active hours are between one a.m. and three a.m. Mm. And that's when you should be asleep. Mm-hmm. And um, it's when the liver is most active. And it's also, therefore, when a lot of the liver's functions are kicking into high gear. Um, in addition to making hormones, the liver also produces insulin for the body. It, partic- it stores insulin, I should say. And so say you eat your last kind of 
meal at around six or seven in the evening, mm -hmm. then you're not eating until maybe the next morning at seven or, or eight. So mm -hmm. what does your body do to get energy during those hours? Well, it's your liver. So it mm -hmm. releases a lot of insulin between one and 3 a.m. If, however, you, you eat like a big piece of cake at 10 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. then you're, you're putting a bunch of sugar insulin into mm -hmm. your body And you'll often wake up at night, or if you eat a big meal late at night, you'll often wake up at night between the hours of one and three, because there's your liver's re re like releasing all of this insulin, and yeah. your body already has it trying to digest it in, in your digestive system, and so it's too much energy, and you wake up. So oh, that's it. So that's the reason why I seem to remember from my days of a big night out <laughs> yeah. you know if you if you went out drinking you'd yeah. never sleep very well that night I'd always wake yeah. up and oh it felt terrible yeah. um oh that's very interesting okay so we're we're eating early we're doing everything early we're eating our dinner early um, uh, on the on this timetable really? yeah mm. and you know there's other little things but um Just simple small shifts that I've found that I've made. You know, I used to be someone who who went to sleep later and got up later and often skipped mm -hmm. breakfast. But I was also uh, kind of, you know, just a little fatter and a little more bloaty and a little more uh, just like had really bad digestive system. I had, mm -hmm. you know, problems with constipation and it's called rebellious chi, which is burping. <laughs> I mean, I'll be very candid about this. When I was in my 20s, you know, I, I had a lot of digestive issues and just mm. that, that switch actually started to change so much for me. Yeah, it was really interesting. I like, so, I like to hear about those small steps. Those are the mm. ones which are really doable. Yeah. But, but they mean they, they take time and they, they take just a dedication. It's like a lot of things we may not see, you know, immediately, But mm -hmm. over the course of time, we see a big shift in our, in our experience. Like if you, you know, have been practicing yoga for 10 years, if you think back to before you started practicing what you were like versus mm -hmm. today, you know, you probably see a bigger change. But if you look at yourself a year ago or six months ago to today, it's maybe not as obvious. Yeah, um, that's true. So sometimes we need to step back and take a bigger, you know, kind of bird's eye view of things to see the positive effects of something we've done and chosen to change. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of practical things like that, but then they're also in the book, you know, I talk about the importance of, um, you know, patient endurance and, you know, watching crops grow. We can't, there's an, an, an ancient saying from this guy Mencius, like you, you, you can't pull on the, you can't neglect your shoots nor force them to grow. So we can't, rush our personal development you know if we do we might deplete ourselves or resent the results but we can't neglect our personal development either mm. yes yeah. yeah, because so, quite a lot of um metaphor in the book is about it's about the cultivation isn't it so it mm. is about how you can plant things and nurture and sort of and, and have this sense of patience that you might mm -hmm. do with a plant yeah Yeah, there is there there are a lot of farming metaphors, but I, mm. I think that you know th that's because in a sense nature is very simple, right? Nature, mm. you put a seed in the ground, you give it the right soil and 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 sunlight and water, and it it grows. Mm. Um, we're the same way, but we forget that. 
you know, mm. we kind of neglect to water ourselves enough or we overexpose mm. ourselves to the sun. We don't kind of find it so easy just to allow things to unfold. The difficulty is in the simplicity in some ways. <laughs> the challenge is in the simplicity. You know, and some of the, the, the things that take a little bit more um, investment and time are some of the areas that I cover in the book for, for meditation. Mm. Uh, meditation and mindfulness and also just you know working to create kind of a harmonious heart um, that sounds good yeah I mean <laughs> what does that involve um many different approaches for the heart mm. but just to 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 recognize the job of the heart first of all mm. like what its role in your body is physiologically but then also emotionally and mentally um and how to how to look at ways to support your heart's job and to also play on its strengths yeah. oh that, that that sounds that sounds very important because also nowadays lots of people have heart issues yeah absolutely and actually xiu yang is short for xiu xin yang xin and xin is your heart so ah. it, it means nurturing and cultivating your heart oh that sounds really good because uh, yeah here we kind of we don't really talk about that in, in the West too much. You know, you might talk about it on Valentine's Day or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so what does cultivating your heart really mean, do you think? Oh, well, so first, it's a little involved, but the heart is also known as the mind. So it's sometimes called the heart mind. Mm. Um, there's not as strict of a definition of, of heart. Um, so, for example, in Chinese, um, xin is heart, but the word for psychology is, you know, a psychologist is xin li daifu, which means a doctor for the heart. But Gosh, it's not interesting. Yeah, doctor for the heart-mind, because there's a very close connection between the two. So in mm. Chinese, and the same is true as in yoga, chitta, mm. chitta is the heart-mind. But there, it's not just an emotional center, but it's a cognitive and emotional center. So it's far more complex than just the mind and just the heart. It's it's a you know kind of a, a place of both heart mind qualities. Because uh, it's literally so, the opposite to what we understand, really, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. at the moment we we say, "Oh, you're going to follow your head or follow your heart. exactly bifurcation." <laughs> and I I go into understanding how we can see past that kind of more polarized view of heart mind and mm -hmm. the two often being in competition with each other and I look at the the sort of a new framework to look at how we can create a harmonious heart and nurture and cultivate our heart um, but going back to what your question is how do mm -hmm. we cultivate our heart mind or, or just our heart we respect that it's got to do a steady job it's got to beat every single day and pump blood every single day and how do we ensure that there's stability uh the best it's through creating a calm and tranquil environment so mm -hmm. not over exerting and not over stimulating and not overdoing in our daily life but actually creating conditions that support its function and reducing kind of the stress on the heart or the crowding of the heart you know doing things mm -hmm. to allow the heart more space and actually i have a whole chapter mm -hmm. the, the last chapter of the book is called spaciousness Oh, that sounds good. Everybody needs that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, the last section, part four, is about the world and qualities that we can cultivate 
in our hearts um, to to feel more connected and more capable of you know creating good relationships with ourselves in the world. So there's sections on like fluidity and humility and cultivating virtues of compassion and humaneness and uh, um, generosity. Um, all of these qualities can really feed the heart, which mm. craves those things and it craves like to feel aligned with the world and we all know what it's like when we're we're, we're our life feels aligned like our mm. our life mission is aligned and mm. with our actions and our thoughts and our speech mm -hmm. and, um it feels great right we feel yeah. just like things energy are really isn't going, it? yeah we're going right and energized but awake and calm mm. Mm. Um, but when when it's misaligned we we also know what that feels like right it feels just kind mm. of frustrating and difficult and just like everything's a little bit of an uphill battle and mm. there's there's just friction so mm. to cultivate the heart is to really look at what supports the heart awakening what supports it uh, feeling balanced inwardly so that outwardly it can feel radiant and that you you know the heart is like the supreme sovereign or the emperor or empress of your body so you know if that's if the empress is happy and balanced, then the the queendom thrives. Right? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And but it, it's actually there are quite a lot of people I think who will be maybe at the stage in their lives or in their lives they won't have experienced that feeling that they're doing the right thing, that things are aligned. I mean, I didn't feel that for the mm. first three decades of my life. Um, yeah, you know. but I, I bet people do feel that and they just don't recognize it. Like they might oh, feel yeah. it, they might feel it in the moment where they see someone get married. Oh yes, of course. In a moment, yes. In, in a, a moment, moment where yes. where suddenly the, the sunrise or the sunset just lights the sky in the perfect yeah. way and they for a moment feel that serendipitous yeah. mm -hmm. sense of everything is right. Mm. And yeah, no, you're you know, right. And and so we 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 overlook those moments. I think maybe to our um, detriment because at the core of these beliefs is that you know whether it's in yoga or in Taoism mm -hmm. or Buddhism is that those moments of true connection and true sense of ah this is this is okay mm -hmm. those those aren't just serendipitous they're actually intrinsic to us mm -hmm. that we all and this is the heart of Shoyang that we we is that we all have an intrinsic capacity to see that as a reality more and more throughout our day. Mm, so interesting. And then when, so when we cultivate ourselves mm. in this way, we're able to see and appreciate it more, which means that we know when we're on track and when we're mm -hmm. off track more. Yeah. And of course we're going to be off track, but what, mm. what Xiaoyang also offers is, a fortitude and a, 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 just a, a way to increase our threshold and our capacity to meet the difficulty and not be knocked down by it as, as fully or mm -hmm. be knocked down, but still have the wherewithal to get back up and, and keep going. Because I think that's oh. important too. Yes, it sure is. Yeah, that that, that cultivation of yeah. resilience, isn't it? It's um, resilience, yeah. And it's response, right? To have the right mm. response. Because oftentimes when life turns grim corners and mm -hmm. it gets messy and ugly and difficult, 
mm-hmm. our response is anything but but clear and and balanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we can all turn into monsters when we can. Yeah. things are hard. And, yeah, and, and, and that's the trick, really, because it's very easy yeah. to feel a sense of equanimity when you're on a yoga or a qigong meditation retreat and you feel wonderful and spacious and the world is beautiful and alive. And then you come back and you see your emails. You're like, oh, it's just God. crap. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to retain any semblance of graciousness <laughs> as a human being. <laughs> Through, yeah. through the messiness of life. Exactly. That's the trick, isn't it's it? the messiness. Like, how do we get some tools and cultivate some resources within ourselves to withstand the storms, right? And that's mm. that's what, what nature also knows how to do. You, I look at the garden and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, there's just been the most crazy hailstorm, windstorm, and my plants are still okay. Mm. Mm. yeah that's amazing (laughs) there's been you know there was a there was a drought last summer and you know Mm. a lot of the grass died and I thought died but Mm. lo and behold spring has come and it's grown back it's got that resilience Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that's what we need to cultivate in our lives. So in on this theme of um the small steps, what sort of final small step can you suggest to people that maybe has helped you in your life that you think might help other people in their lives? (laughs) So many, right? So many. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I would say to hold the view of vastness. To hold the view of vastness. That might not sound like a small step, but actually it's it's going back to the start of our conversation, right? It's about Mm. a mental framework and seeing menopause not as the end of our youth and uh, something to fear but Mm. the start of a second spring and a shifting of our energies from reproduction to um, spiritual development and wisdom deepening spiritual Mm. development wisdom so so I think the view of vastness has been one of the that the most beneficial things for me and Unfortunately, I didn't make it into my book, the story, but I think it's a really good story. The, the editor thought, too many personal stories, so we'll cut this one out. Oh, I want to hear you know, When we're caught up in small, petty senses of me, I, my, mm-hmm. uh, we can forget how limiting that experience is and forget everything else that's around us. It's actually quite beautiful. And the view of vastness is a practice in the book, but I had a story in the book that I'll tell you on the for this for this conversation that didn't make it into the book which was mm-hmm. I was in Switzerland once on um, a vacation with my family and some of my in-laws friends or in-laws yeah they had some friends over and, and I just felt so small around them like I met them and I was in my grubby yoga gear and they waltzed <laughs> in with stilettos looking like they just stepped off the set of a fashion show and they were going out to dinner and they looked just drop dead gorgeous <laughs> and I just felt like oh I feel really frumpy <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they were eloquent and articulate and they they ran charities and they ran <laughs> in high schools of New York society and I just <laughs> I was I just felt really insignificant Hmm. the first couple conversations over dinner I felt myself shrink and not feel able to speak clearly I lost my sense of confidence and I just felt really yeah insecure 
and I, sh- you know, I, I lost that that sense of connection, and I was judging myself and judging them. And then I went back that night, and I was reading something about this view of vastness, and it was just that you know when we get caught up in small petty concerns, um, it's important to step back and see like that just limits us, and that there's like this vast view of what it is that we're all doing and that there's this interconnection between things and we step out of that small sense of self and into a bigger space. And then we, that's like the the view that leaders in ancient China would always take is the the big picture, the vast view rather than the small petty concerns, which just get get us caught up in drama. Mm. So I thought about that and I said, how ridiculous I'm in Switzerland. They're in Switzerland. This is a beautiful place. Nature is outstandingly sublime. And, you know, I'm missing out on this because of my dramas. So I went to the next conversation and meal with them. And I just, I stepped back and I I kept moving wider and wider out into this view of vastness. And we had an amazing conversation. Turns out they all love meditation. They all do yoga. Like they got really interested in the charity that my husband and I run, you know, and, and it, it was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that, and it's been so helpful mm-hmm. just as a, a little mind shift, mind framework reset that is very Taoist as well. And it very much is about cultivating a different perspective on things. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like keeping the different intention and different perspective and keeping that a sense of us is so that is so important. I suppose every day we all get caught up in our petty stuff and all of us, yeah. and we all know your feeling. We know what it is to walk into a scenario and feel, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and everything that you kind of thought that you were, you're like, nope, not even off on the starting block. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would say yeah. that that's I mean, maybe that's not something so practical and immediate, but maybe it is. Um, well, I think it's something we can meditate on. Or when we're doing whatever movement practice we're doing, perhaps having that as an intention. That's a okay. good intention. Here's one more, if I can, mm. if I may. Very, very simple practice. Mm-hmm. Re- relax your hands. Oh. So- soften your hands. When I've never sitting- been told that. When you're sitting on a bus, when you're driving your car, when you're cooking a meal, when you're at the computer and typing, what would it be like to soften your hands? And yeah, just relax your hands. And what does that do? The hands are connected neurologically um, to the brain more than any other part of the body, pretty much. Your, Your lips... Um, your eyes and your hands are the places that would light up most if you had like nerve wirings from your brain out into your body. Oh, wow. And they used to prescribe knitting in like the 18th century to women with anxiety (laughs) (laughs) because it would get them working with their hands. And yeah, it's, it's no lie. (laughs) When we can just use our hands and or soften them then it softens a lot of the it's feedback back it softens the 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 nerves going back into the brain oh isn't that fascinating but but in chinese medicine the hands are also the origins or the ends 
of meridians or pathways of energy, like rivers, for your heart and all of its helpers and your lungs and the large intestine. So for circulation and respiration, you want these meridians really clear, and especially in your hands where they're starting or ending. Oh, wow. And then lastly, just like a scientific kind of note, mm-hmm. the, the brain, there's a lot of uh, evidence and research now, especially at, at this one place in Stanford University, the Center for Compassionate Research and Education or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're looking at the connection between the heart and the mind. Mm. And it's mainly through something called the vagus nerve. And the evidence that they're seeing is that there are more connections from the heart going into the brain than the brain going into the heart through the vagus nerve. So your your heart is informing more to the brain, but it's a two-way street. And so your hands connected to your brain, connected to your heart, are a direct line to that ability to calm cultivate and nurture your heart isn't that wonderful that's so fascinating I wonder if and this is just me wondering obviously everybody who has a pet or you know lives with an animal knows how calming they are and you know how you feel when you stroke an animal and of course you Ah, have have soft hands when you do that exactly maybe that's something that's because all the studies have shown that pets help the heart and they help our health and I'm I wonder sure. if that could be a reason. It's just a soft, it's the fur is soft, you stroke yeah. or you scratch a cat or dog. That's or it. And, and you always have to have, you, you, you keep soft hands when, you, yes. when you're with an animal or a child. You, you so don't true. harden your hands. Mm-mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Gosh, this, could, this is a fascinating. I love those, I love those two small steps. Those are things <laughs> I, I really am going to, I'm going to mull on and I'm going to, they're going to work out how they can help. That's brilliant. I love it. Now, to wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to add, Mimi? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, we've talked about so much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm excited for um, the book club. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really thrilled that you're interested in sponsoring this platform because I've never done a book club online. No, um, neither have I. <laughs> but I think, it's, you know, I, I've I've just found a lot of the practices that I tried yeah. to share in the book and um, some of the concepts that I tried to uh, explore, I've just found them so helpful for me. So I feel like mm. if they can be at all beneficial and supportive to other people and people mm. want to engage with it through a book club, mm. I just think that's so cool. So thank it's, you. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. well, I, I just thought it would be so cool to make a deep dive into mm. the book and also along with your experience, because I don't know, when I have done book clubs or I read something deeply, so so what, how the book club's going to be formed is that we're going to do one chapter every week. And I think well, working part, at yeah. one, one part, part, that's right, yeah. <laughs> to get it right. <laughs> so working slowly through it, because I think with a book like this, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm quite a quick reader and I'm always tempted to be like, yep done that digested it next but actually taking your time and working just one part a week and then seeing sharing what we all get from it and then getting a chance to talk to the author about that I mean I think that is I think that's just a pretty neat opportunity for me even if it's just you and me chatting about it Mimi I (laughs) I would love it too yeah what what an opportunity yeah Yeah. I'd be happy with one member 
<laughs> yeah, well, that, that's it. I'm signed up. So, um, so for the people, this launches next month, and we will give you information in our newsletters and on Movement for Modern Life. But basically, we're going to do it through um, the Movement for Modern Life Facebook group and on the Movers group um, through videos. So you're going to be able to see me, me, and I'm going to ask my usual dumb questions in my process of learning, and hopefully they'll be the questions that you're answering asking and then you get a chance to ask as well so hopefully we can all learn and just take this journey together and try to live our most harmonious most sustainable healthy life I think that 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 speaks to me and it's uh, hopefully there'll be other people who want to join us on this journey (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there will be (laughs) it'd be lovely to have to have a few people to just yeah yeah of digest and process the material together that's right, because I think with more energy, you get more different perspectives and you start thinking about things in different ways. Mm. So that's, I think, the fun part of it. And you get to see, oh, wow, I'd never thought about this. Part. Oh, and there's a whole new reframing and it opens up a whole world. Yeah, it was so nice. But I think you met her, Carrie Gracie, who was on mm-hmm. the, I know you met her. She was on the, the yoga re- retreat. Mm. But she wrote a little little blurb and testimonial for the book and I was really touched because she she said things I knew about myself but dimly things I once knew but had forgotten things I never knew at all wow Young is a wise and loving book and she's like one of the someone I have so much respect for I mean she's Mm -hmm. a BBC presenter she's an old friend she was a former China editor she knows China really well Mm -hmm. um she's a badass woman she's amazing I mean she's like (laughs) spearheading the equal pay movement um and and just that I feel like that's what I wanted the book to offer people is Mm. you know connection reminder back to things that might be of real value and Mm. and remember them and know them and and explore them Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Kat. So nice oh, to speak. Well, it's been really fun. I've really, really enjoyed it, Mimi. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you so much as ever for everything you contribute to me and Movement for Modern Life. I know that you have increased the health and happiness of so many people, thousands of people worldwide um, from contributing to the platform because I know that they then turn up shop at a class or at a workshop or on a retreat (laughs) and I'm like oh oh it's one of your online people so for so many people I speak to them and like yep Mimi is the teacher. Like, there's nobody oh, who doesn't. Yeah. No, no, you, you, you really, well, you've changed my, you have really, you know, if Movement for One Life has done nothing for anything else, you have really, really changed my view on so many things. So I really, and by view, I mean my heart, oh, <laughs> not my mind. <laughs> your heart, mind. My heart, connected, mind. Connected through your vagus nerve. That's it. <laughs> I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> but thank Thanks, you, Mimi. Kat. And thank you, Kat, <laughs> for supporting and giving us this platform. Oh, of course. Mm. All right. Well, cheerio, and I will speak to you at the book club. Fantastic. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, what did you think? Did you enjoy that conversation with Mimi and getting 
to know her. And what do you think? Are you going to be joining in our book club, um, finding out about Shoyan? I think that it's absolutely endlessly fascinating to try and think, how can we live our lives more in harmony? And what is this heart-mind connection? I want to dive in on that. And so the sort of champion of change I think that Mimi is, is she's a champion of changing the way we see things. And I think that is the most important thing that any of this can ever do is make us see life a little bit differently. Give us a whole new perspective on how to live a healthy and sustainable life. I love that thought that we're preparing for the menopause right from in our third, fourth decade. That is just, it just makes sense, doesn't it? It's not something that, oh, here it is. Now let's, how do we deal with the symptoms? We are ready for our lives. We are just, we, we need to prepare for everything as they go for the seasons, just as you wouldn't just expect your crop to grow. You need to plant and nourish and nurture, and then you can watch it grow. Oh, I love those um, those metaphors, the farming metaphors. I really liked her thoughts about how to live a sustainable life. I really enjoyed the heart-mind connection. I want to delve deeper on that. And that's the thing, when I'm left with, after this conversation, I just want to delve deeper into these thoughts, into these concepts. I cannot wait to read that book and to do the book club. So the details are, book club is starting on the 24th of June. I think that's the start introductory session. So there'll be time for you to get a copy of the book. And basically, it's going to be on the Movement for Modern Life Facebook page and on the private movers group. The, that's, that group is only for people who subscribe to Movement for Modern Life so that we can all talk about our yoga practice and inspire each other and support each other. And basically, we'll be going through one part every week. I will be asking Mimi questions and I will encourage all the members of the book club. And again, you know, it's free to be a member if you're a subscriber to Movement for Modern Life. And I will be asking questions. You will be able to ask questions. We'll all be able to learn from each other as to how we are, how we're reading these this text and how we're going to incorporate it into our lives so that we can all make those small steps to make our life more harmonious and cultivate, just cultivate the good things, doing things thoughtfully. Um, so I am completely up for that. I really hope you are too. As ever, please do check out Mimi's videos on Movement for Modern Life. She is super popular and adored by everybody who does her classes they really are a game changer in terms of a vinyasa class or a yoga class. Her emphasis on softening is just so beautiful. You will love them, whoever you are. Um, they're just very deep and beautiful, very soulful. She's an incredible human being. I thoroughly recommend her retreats. Her, her retreats is one of the best I've ever been on. I have been on quite a lot. Um, so yeah, she's just a teacher who puts a lot of time and effort and thought into what she teaches, into her practices, and goes through the academics and studies all of the things to bring to the people because the likes of you and I, well, we're just too busy to think about it and work it all out. But isn't it wonderful that there are people like Mimi doing it for us? Okay, well, 
please do subscribe, all the rest of it in iTunes and give us a review so that other people can find us. I would massively appreciate that. And I will see you next time.